when you think about the future, you know, what's happening in the rest of 2022, how can we prepare um, for 2023 and beyond? It is to your point about getting ahead of that, right? And always keeping a pulse on how your customers are changing and growing and shifting and how their needs are adapting. Um, because I think, especially now, we can't just rely on, I think what you and I like to call the data exhaust, right? All of the things that already happened, um, it's they're, they're lagging indicators. And so thinking about how do you stay ahead and keep that human connection with your customers so you know as people, um, how, how do we best serve them? Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. Hi, everyone. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing. And I'm Andy McMillan, CEO at User Testing. And today we're recapping our fourth season of the Human Insight Podcast. Wow, four seasons. I guess this is a thing now, right? It's pretty incredible to think uh, that this was just an idea not that long ago, and it's been really fun. We've had some really interesting conversations, and uh, it's just been fun to see the show kind of grow and evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 37 episodes to date. We've had over 10,000 downloads of the show across 55 countries and territories. So listeners in Dublin, Ireland, and Dublin, Ohio, we have listeners in France, the UK, Vietnam, Nigeria, China, India, Brazil, Australia, Israel, Bali, and beyond. Yeah, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to the show and give us feedback. We get pinged sometimes on social media and other places on, on conversations that this starts. Um, and it's really been both humbling and fun to see people engage with the content that we create. Uh, I know our guests also really appreciate it. So uh, it's just been great. Season four, uh, which we're wrapping up now, focused on the customer stories from our book, User Tested, How the World's Top Companies Use Human Insight to Create Great Experiences. So the book launched February 15th, and it was really powered by so many of these compelling stories that were captured in the fourth season of the podcast. Andy, uh, you want to start with sort of one of your quick takeaways from season four? Yeah, and I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't start by just saying it was so much fun to work on the book with you, Janelle, and, and to work with these great customers, right? I mean, they have such interesting stories and interesting things they're doing around understanding their customers. And so first off, it was really fun to go through and, and interact with all those folks during that process. It was really fun to share the book with everyone as it came out. Um, and then fun to sort of have an opportunity in the podcast to sort of get back together with some of those folks that were in the book and sort of talk through those use cases again and, and things that they were doing. And so I just thought it was really uh, empowering the, the scope of the different kinds of things that people were doing uh, to connect with their customers, to understand them better. And so we heard people throughout the season talk about how they and their teams are really scaling what they're doing. We heard people talk about how they were getting other folks in the organization to sort of engage with their content. And then we wrapped up this, the season with some of our book launch LinkedIn Lives. And I felt like we really had some thought leaders talking about how organizations can, can think about really going even so much further with this idea of, of understanding their customers. So I thought that was really fascinating. And all of it really comes down to how do you fit into the ecosystem of your users? How do you fit into their lives? How do you how do you make whatever it is that you're trying to do for them better? Um, and so how do you become a company that understands what it's like to be your user? How do you fit into their ecosystem or their world where you are in their customer journey? I thought that was sort of a compelling thread throughout. How about you, Janelle? 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think there was such a variety of ways that that came through in the different episodes. So, you know, the one of the episodes and one of the, the great stories of uh, that was included in the book uh, was with T. Rowe Price and, and Harsha, who's a senior manager of UX research there. And he tells this fantastic story about how he and the design team were really working on the flow to get people to sign up to be customers. And they really honed in on the initial page where they were asking for information. And their whole strategy was to simplify, simplify, simplify. Like the sort of theory is that the more you ask people to provide you, um, the more opportunity you have to lose them. And so they went and when they launched this uh, application process, I think they had two or three fields on the initial screen. And when they did all this usability testing of it and user testing, they realized people knew exactly what they were supposed to be filling in. They knew what T. Rowe was asking of them. But that was like the single point in the journey. When you actually looked at the entire experience of somebody who was you know, looking for a financial product and then making a decision to engage and apply and then ending up on this page, what they realized was that this little page was just one piece of that journey, right? Sort of one, one piece of that entire experience. And what they learned was that if um, when, when people landed on that page that had very it was very streamlined with just a couple of forms. They didn't have any problem using the page. The challenge that they had is they didn't have enough information or context of why they should be moving forward. And I thought it was so fascinating to hear that experience of them designing this single page. But then when they tested it in the scope of the entire experience, they uncovered some things that they weren't really expecting. And the best part of the story is that when they initially launched the page, and, and this new part of the flow, they saw like some crazy percentage of people drop off that page, like 37%, I think it was. And they had all these hypotheses of why this was happening. They're like, oh shoot, should we like remove a, a field? So we just have one field people have to fill out? You know, it was sort of like those types of hypotheses. But it was only when they watched people in context of using the experience that they realized that uh, they had to introduce actually more information, which seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, I thought that was... Uh... I like that one too, because it's a little bit about how uh, you can think broadly, but then go deep onto an area and really optimize part of the experience. And I felt like uh, it was compelling to have a sort of a counterintuitive to your point, uh, you know, output of what ended up actually driving the result as they went deeper. I think it's a good example of where I just don't think data leads you to that conclusion. Like you're just not going to get enough, you know, oh, I looked at our web traffic to learn that people actually needed more context at that moment to, to get to the right place. And I thought it was an interesting juxtaposition compared to maybe two other episodes uh, that I really thought were interesting where folks talked about, and we use the word scaling all the time, talk about scaling human insights, scaling what people are doing. And we sort of think through what um, Tom at Microsoft, uh, the Xbox uh, team came out and talked about, I think it was episode 32. Um, he talked about really expanding the, the purview really of what they were getting feedback on. So you think of Xbox, you know, I think of Xbox, I think of playing, you know, games with, with my kids uh, on the console, which is really important. Um, but they actually started to think really broadly about social gaming, uh, the community that they're creating on Xbox, um, cross-platform gaming, the consumption of the videos. You think about like the whole, you know, Twitch kind of concept of people consuming games to be outside of the console. Uh, they talked about uh, monetization and I think really importantly talked about accessibility and inclusivity in, in who they were going after with their messages and their capabilities and their apps. I thought that was a really um, interesting way to think about scaling. Um, and I would almost 
you know, c- compare that to perhaps uh, when you think about what the team at, at, at uh, Wise, you know, formerly TransferWise are doing. I mean, Jennifer really talked about almost a different kind of scaling there, which was sort of inside of the organization. How do you get more people, more employees to interact with this kind of content, right? So it was where Tom was thinking about the surface area of what they could scale to. Jennifer was thinking about the employee base that she could scale to. And, and she was doing all kinds of really interesting things there around customer listening, um, launching a monthly UX Research 101 class that anybody could join. Um, and I just thought, again, it just speaks to how much opportunity there is for folks that lean into this to really have an impact on their organizations because they can think about Again, the places outside the building, outside that they can scale to, but also the people inside that they could scale to. Totally. Yeah, that's a really good um, comparison of different types of scale. I remember when I did the episode with Tom, I was just imagining him focusing on just the Xbox experience, like even just the hardware, right? (laughs) Like holding a control, Um, but recognizing that there's so much that goes into that, both physical and, you know, hardware and you know, the gaming ecosystem in which they exist and all the other experiences that they have around them, kind of really taking all of that into account when they build and design and optimize those Xbox experiences. Tom and I also talked a little bit about, and I don't know if it was recorded in the show or if it was afterwards when we were just chatting, but Microsoft actually has a really interesting way that they capture all of their learnings over time. It's called the the HITS library. It basically is a way for people who aren't always exposed to this work or aren't always directly involved in it, it gives them a way to access it by theme or by interface or by experience. So super interesting way to think about scale in that way as well. Um, And I would agree with you in in terms of Jennifer. I thought Jennifer's approach was interesting in the sense that she's really empowering people to take on a lot of this work if they were interested in it, having conversations, you know, helping them understand where this fits into their um, kind of process. And I think, I guess, on the flip side of that, if you look at what James um, Bilacci at HelloFresh does, it's almost like just quite the opposite of what Jennifer is doing, right? So he's, when you, when you think of scale, you know, I believe he's pulling more people into his process to get them to use the platform or engage with some of the work that's happening on the platform. But the big focus of his work is really around taking all the things that they're collecting over time um, and providing that uh, to the employees of HelloFresh. So they have direct exposure to all the key learnings that James and his team have uncovered over the past month or quarter. I think it's a monthly show that he does. And I think they spend about 30 minutes and they create this curated video, curated experience that people I think it just started as a small group of people that came to this monthly insight show that he holds. But now it's like hundreds of people that are attending because they've caught wind of it. They've they've learned about the value. And now after they watch a show, they're all pinging James being like, hey, that was really cool. Could we learn about this next month? Or have you thought about asking people about this instead of that? Um, So it's an interesting way to, and kind of a different way to engage people than maybe how we typically think about scale. I I think that's right. I mean, one of the things that came up in a few conversations throughout the season was um, how do you help people uh, maybe outside of research backgrounds get a lot of the value quickly of the things that researchers see all the time? Yeah. And what I really liked about James's approach to your point, Janelle, is um, 
it's really about sort of scaling insights a little bit differently than everybody else. He's sort of taking the goodness that comes out of the end of the process. So he's not trying to convince everyone that they they want to be a researcher. Everyone doesn't have to kind of get the research bug of wanting to dig deep and understand the intricacies of a problem or how people think. But really, he's just thinking about like, I have all this goodness that comes out of my process. How do I collect it in a way and share it in a way where I can make the organization better when people sort of see what I see at the end of it? And I thought that's a really... Um, compelling and important part of the process that I just don't know that we always talk enough about is an industry that so much good stuff comes out of the process um, that we sometimes treat as our property in the research space versus something that could really be shared. And so I thought that episode in particular was really compelling and sort of a different way to think about, you know, adding value across the company. Yeah, it's the scale conversation, but kind of flipped on its head, if you will. So you're focused more on the end and the output versus you know, um, all of the ways that you could potentially gather data from a customer or from, 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 you know, collecting human insight. Yeah. I mean, so if you think about, um, again, it was really a sort of a theme throughout the season. So, you know, we talked about scaling to the different kinds of things you could test, scaling to who you could help get engaged in doing testing and then scaling the outputs of what you're doing really is a, is a high value, high touch thing across the organization. We also had some really interesting conversations where folks talked about how to use uh, the ability to see what it's like to be a customer or prospective customer to really drive change or innovation in the organization. I think that's another really interesting uh, space where people look to human insight to sort of help make the case. Um, I think a good example of that in one of the episodes I really enjoyed was with James Lane. Um, he is at AAA Club Alliance. And what he talked about on the episode we did with him, I think it was episode 30, um, he talked about how their marketing organization, you know, you know AAA is, is not exactly a brand new company. It's not a startup. Uh, and they talked about their web flow and, and trying to make changes. And they become so data centric that they were sort of overwhelming people with so much information. And there was this sort of growing thesis in the organization of, you know, maybe if we simplified all of this, we really stripped this down to the core things that we wanted to convey to people, uh, we could probably see improved conversion rates, but it was hard to convince everyone. Everyone in the organization had been working to like add and add and add and add. And it was sort of tough to get people to sort of look at it with fresh eyes. And they went through a process of testing a new design. They got really positive feedback and when they flipped that new design live, the results were incredible. It's one of my favorite case studies in the book as well, uh, where they saw conversions, uh, organic website conversions were up 30%. Uh, and that was a 55% lift on their premium memberships, which is their top tier. So, I mean, that's a huge, anybody who's ever worked in marketing knows that you're working with, you know, usually single digit percentage points or maybe half of percentage points you're trying to move the needle on conversion. So to see numbers like that, over something that was really about conveying an innovative new way to approach the website, I thought was just really interesting. He does such a good job of describing in that episode as well, the process he went through, the pain points that he ran into, the urgency that he felt in trying to get folks on board with this change. Um, I just thought that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I this this one was one of is one of my favorite stories as well. And I think it actually reminds me somewhat of the T. Rowe Price uh, story in the sense that uh, the team was looking at the design um, that was not performing to you know where they wanted to to see it, and they were very price driven. Uh, and so when they were presenting the different options for signing up to be a AAA member, they led with the cost and the price. And you can imagine with uh, conversion rates that might not be where the team wants them to be, your immediate 
hypothesis is that we need to start messing around with the price. Like maybe the price is off or we need to change, you know, how we present, how you pay, or maybe we, we, you know, break up payments. I mean, I'm sure the hypothesis hypotheses could go on and on. But what I loved about what James learned when he actually put people in front of the design is that when they're making a decision about a service like AAA, they're actually not that price conscious. They're more interested in sort of the um, very basic needs that they would have in a situation like, is this reliable service? Will you show up? Will you, will you, you know, make sure I'm safe? All of those types of things were what they pulled forward in the design. And that's just, that's the beauty of why it's, and why it's so important to actually put things in front of customers and get their reactions and understand their emotions. Because without that information, which he used to influence the new design that totally outperformed the old design, um, without that information, though, he wouldn't have been that successful, I don't think. I, I agree. And it's, and it's, again, fascinating because when you think of AAA as a brand, I mean, it's 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 safety. Like that's the main thing that would come to mind. And it was almost taken for granted in a little bit of the background and sort of re-highlighting that. It was really, really fascinating. I, I agree. Um, I think kind of to your point of the, you know, thinking about how to um, introduce more of a culture of, 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 you know, doing this on a regular basis and ensuring that you're, you're using human insight to spark innovation and new ways of approaching likely sometimes the same problems is, um, you know, by, by getting customer feedback regularly. And I think one of the, the great episodes, and I was fascinated by the process that Ben Hogan and his team at the Notre Dame's Idea Center has put together. They've literally created a machine to vet new business ideas from early concepting to, you know, uh, thinking about the pricing model to actually bringing it to market. Um, they have you know, points in their process and particular ways they go about getting feedback uh, to ensure that the ideas that are coming through the center are actually the best ones to bring to market because there's no shortage of ideas that that organization is kind of fielding. And I thought that was so interesting how an innovation process could be so so heavily fueled by human insight. Yeah, I agree. Did you think that was similar? Um, you, you did that one, uh, which I thought was great, a great interview you did. And you also did the interview with the co-founders at, at Crikey. And it was, um, if I think of the two of those, sort of one was a pure innovation lab, but then the other is a, like a company. You know, they're not innovative. They're, they're, they're running a, a, you know, a massive uh, platform with, with millions of users, um, but they've also really embedded it into their process. I mean, did you see similarities in sort of how both those teams that approached the idea of customer feedback is sort of like an ongoing concept or maybe a broader takeaway for the audience. Like how did, how did they get to that focus, I guess, on this being a key part of, of almost going fast, requiring constant customer feedback. What I found really compelling about both of those use cases is that, you know, Ben and his team have to move really fast. The Crikey co-founders are, are moving fast and, and releasing new things all the time. But they're not letting this process of customer feedback or getting feedback from the market slow them down. In fact, it's actually accelerating uh, their ability to deliver solutions that actually perform. I mean, the Crikey one, I I love the story about um, their app store listing, which arguably is like one of the most important parts of, well, it is actually how you capture people outside of word of mouth. You've got folks that are browsing in an app store looking for something interesting. And in the space of AR and gaming, there's so much competition. And so 
you can imagine people kind of flipping through and looking at different options of games for them to download and why that description within the app store and the visuals that they use are so important. And that was one of the areas that they optimized. And it's, you know, when you take a look back, take a step back, it's like, yeah, it's, it's actually content, right? It's, it's words and, and some pictures that they've put together. It's not the actual experience that you're using in an app store. Um, And so those types of use cases that are different than what we, I guess, maybe um, think of initially, like, oh, you know, Crikey is probably testing their game experience, which they are, um, but they're also testing some of these other sort of edge cases, if you will, or or other places that they know they need to optimize that aren't part of their game per se. Yeah, I think that's right. I liked how they talked about um, going fast is also sort of getting it right, right? So they wanted to get to the right answer quickly and implement. I thought that was a good way to think about sort of the flow uh, that they did. And, and again, they applied that to, to your point, so many places beyond even just the core gaming experience. I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. You know, you mentioned in that example, the aspect of testing content and sort of language and sort of that thing. And one of the things that, um, I really enjoyed, we, you know, we posted our LinkedIn live conversations from the virtual book tour that we did. And we shared those as, as episodes of the human insight podcast. And so episode 35 was, was one of those where you had done a LinkedIn live conversation with Jim Callback from Mural. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on you know, sort of how uh, that conversation around language and audience uh, went. I thought it was really interesting thing about that as, a, as writing a book, but also in anything that we do, sort of really thinking about how to, to know who you're speaking to. Um, you know, what was your maybe takeaway or thoughts from that conversation with Jim that maybe our audience members could also take away? Yeah, I mean, it was it was funny when I originally or when I first started talking to Jim about writing a book. Of course, he was encouraging me. He's written a few books himself. And I feel like it's one of those. It's kind of like parenting. Like you don't know what you're getting into until you actually do it. And then you're like, you get on the other side and you're like, oh, I'm like part of this club now where like (laughs) writing a book is like an experience. Right. And then you can't really speak to it until you actually go through it and experience it yourself. And that was back a year ago when I was chatting with Jim, it was sort of like I was on the other side and and he had already gone through the process a few times, but that was one of the very first things that he asked me when I was talking to him about, you know, doing uh, the book and and writing it with you, Andy, he, he's sort of like, okay, well, like, yeah, who are you, who are you trying to, who are you trying to reach? Right. And make sure that you understand that person or that type of person and their you know, big questions and what they'd want to know. And I think that was a really important point in the whole process and something that we've talked a lot about, Andy, in the sense that I have a perspective around this in the sense that what we've written about this idea of human insight and talking to customers and making sure that you're pulling feedback into every, you know, key decision it's not necessarily a new practice. People have been doing this for decades, but it's this idea of elevating the idea and making it more approachable that I think you know was really a big part of the goal of writing the book. And after having that conversation with Jim, it was very clear and to me that we had to be very deliberate about that because otherwise you start you easily oscillate between 
you know, people who know the space really, really well to people who, you know, have never been exposed to something like user research. And when you start to go between those two audiences, it's kind of like the, the rule around UX design and experiences in general. Like if you're creating for everyone, you're really creating for no one. Right. And so being focused and intentional, I thought was a key learning from him. Yeah. I think that's, that's really um, spot on. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the book writing process trying to think through how to convey the value of what we're talking about to a business audience generally. And you're right, you sort of start with this premise of like, well, talking to customers seems like a pretty obviously good idea. So let's take that as a given. But then to sort of get to this idea that maybe your customers aren't that hard to reach. Maybe they're all connected with technology. And if you could find the right ways to ask them for their feedback and importantly, to listen to their feedback and have people feel heard versus talked to, uh, you can do something really interesting. We actually talked a little bit about that in the conversation I had with Ian Roberts from IDEO in episode 36. And, and I thought I loved his example talking about the work he had done with Ford Motor Company. I mean, I, I'm a kid from Detroit, so it's right down the middle of the fairway for me and very exciting for somebody to, to you know get on a tech podcast about CX and, and research and to then talk about the auto industry was sort of like the, the perfect combination of things for me. But he had this great example where he talked about how to get Ford F-150 drivers, you know, the big pickup trucks that are so popular in uh, much of the world, but especially in the Midwest where I grew up, um, to want those to be electric. And you know, he gave this great example of if you just ask a Ford F-150 driver if they want an electric pickup truck, the, the answer is no, absolutely not, never. And then when you start to talk to them about things like being able to run your tools, your power tools by plugging them into your electric vehicle, uh, by being able to, and they actually ran a commercial on this, being able to power your home if your power was out by plugging into your truck and using it to power your house. All of a sudden, your electric truck becomes the most powerful asset that you own. Um, it's a really compelling story. And I just thought um, it was a great example of understanding your customers, but also being innovative about their core needs and understanding what they want and desire out of your product. And so I really thought that conversation was was illuminating and, and interesting in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. It was inspiring to listen to that and watch, watch you from afar. I, was, I kind of wanted to jump into that LinkedIn live, but I was just you two for that one. I was watching live though. Um, so, uh, and then the other sort of uh, LinkedIn live uh, episode we had was with Nick Meta, uh, the CEO of Gainsight. And I guess perhaps you could even compare the Ford experience and idea that you just talked about with the example that he gave, which was the Peloton experience. Um, and he talked about kind of three different ways uh, that you need to think about a customer experience through, you know, not just the product, but also the human connection um, and being able to connect to, to other, other human beings. So I thought those, that was an interesting way to think about, I guess, the ecosystem of an experience. Yeah, really maybe what a brand is. I think you're right. I mean, the idea that a brand maybe is a product that I buy, but it's also, if it's a great brand, it's a community that I'm joining in some ways, right? That I sort of want to be be part of. And then there's the other people that interact with that brand that that become part of my network. And so I thought I thought that was really well uh, framed. I thought it was a nice um, episode to, to sort of finish off the season on, in part because Nick is such a customer-centric CEO generally. So to sort of have him talk about you know, the, the ability and the need for organizations to sort of connect and understand customers in this sort of changing landscape, I thought was, was really interesting. And, um, you know, Nick is uh, a very empathetic leader as well. And so, you know, we sort of oscillated between how do you stay focused on your 
your employees in an empathetic way, which we've talked about how people can use some of the practices we all talk about to, to do that. Uh, but then really about how do you think about creating great experiences that your team supports? I mean, Nick's business at Gainsight is very much how do you empower your teams to be customer-centric uh, with the software that they build? Uh, and so we thought there was some interesting kind of overlays there in sort of uh, his best practices and ways in which people could uh, could connect. And, and I, re- you're right, his, his Peloton example is really compelling. I think he he not only told us how much he loves the bike, but he actually had his favorite instructors uh, that he's tied to it. I think is is really compelling, right? I mean, that's what we all want when we're building experiences is for people like Nick to say, you know, it's not just the product; it's also your team, it's your brand, it's your experience, it's everything about it. And I think that's really you know, ultimately what we're trying to get at with human insight is how do you create the intuition to know your customers and their needs and desires as they change over time that you can sort of be there as those needs change. And I thought Nick gave some great examples of how organizations do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we look into the future and reflect on the last couple of years we've had with so much change not just in our own lives and our work lives and our personal lives, but also just in general, how people, consumers, business buyers have shifted and changed over the last couple of years as well. And that when you think about the future, you know, what's happening in the rest of 2022, how can we prepare um, for 2023 and beyond? It is to your point about getting ahead of that, right? And always keeping a pulse on how your customers are changing and growing and shifting and how their needs are adapting. Um, Because I think, especially now, we can't just rely on, I think, what you and I like to call the data exhaust, right? All of the things that already happened, um, it's they're, they're lagging indicators. And so thinking about how do you stay ahead and keep that human connection with your customers so you know, as people, um, how how do we best serve them? Yeah, I think that's right. Ian. Um... In episode 36 from IDEO, I had this great comment about a spreadsheet really just shows you the past. And I thought that was a really interesting framing of innovation. And, and you're right. I mean, the pace of change is incredible now. I mean, I think about my own kids and I think about what the next 10 years looks like for them. It's going to be so much different than when I was their age. It's going to be different than the kids right now even are experiencing things. And so I think anyone who's building you know, experiences for customers, building products, building, you know, digital applications, you really have to be out in front of where everyone's going. Um, And I thought this whole season really focused on that is a big daunting challenge. How do you scale up to go meet that challenge? How do you empower your organization to think about all these touch points? Um, I thought it was great. And I I really, again, just want to thank the the guests that came on the show, they really do make this show what it is. I mean, it's it's great when they come on and, and share these amazing stories and, and ways that they've thought through these problems. And they've all just, maybe it's this industry feels like this way in general to me, but they've been so open and willing to share their learnings and what they've done and what's been helpful. Uh, and it, it really does make for a great season. So I really appreciate all the guests that did that. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to our, our listeners too, for tuning in for the last four seasons. Um, you know, Kind of on the note of what we just talked about, of getting ahead of trends and better understanding what our customers need, uh, we are taking that approach for season five. So we are looking at different ways to uh, adjust our process, how we approach podcasts. We're going to be playing around with different types of media, perhaps even sharing some user testing videos during the podcast, um, playing around with just video in general, and breaking up the format. 
Um, so typically we approach each episode a specific way. And so trying out different formats and seeing, you know, what sticks and what's, what's valuable and resonates with folks is, is the focus for next season. Um, so wrapping up on season four, uh, thanks again for all the listeners of the podcast, wherever you may be. And to Andy's point, thanks to all of our amazing guests for, for making time for us and, and sharing their stories. And as I mentioned, season five will be a little bit different. It will be launching in May. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be experimenting with different parts of the podcast from format to production. And you can help us improve too. We have a survey that we'd appreciate your feedback on. You can find a link in the show notes. Also note as part of that survey, you can sign up to take a user test to give your feedback on uh, the user testing podcast. And until then, you can go back and listen to any of our past episodes of the Human Insight Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play, so you can never miss a good episode.